Oh, hey, John. How'd you do today? Oh, brother, I don't keep score. What do you mean, you don't? How do you compare yourself to other golfers? By height. So why is love horse shit? It's a pretty clever title. Isn't it? It's a good title. It's a catchy title. But it's like, uh, it's like the Beach Boys. Wouldn't it be nice if we were older and we wouldn't have to wait so long? Like, these guys are itching to get in with some broad, some woman, and just cut their lives in half. You know, like that England Dan and John Ford Coley song. We'll never have to say goodbye again. You know, that's the singer-songwriter era for you. A bunch of horse shit. England Dan and John Ford Coley. Who calls themselves England Dan? Hi, I'm England Dan. Well, I'm United States America. John. Shut the fuck up. So anyway, my lady uh, isn't... She's still not talking to me. If you haven't... If you haven't gathered that. <laughs> she texted me the other night while I was asleep. Uh, which was kind of her. But... Um, yeah, she's still not talking to me, so... Um, but... Uh, nevertheless... I came out, you know, um, so my lady's not talking to me, what better place to not listen than out here at Balls R Us, and just chill, you know, um, do your balls hang low, do they wiggle to and fro, can you throw them over your shoulder like a military soldier, you know the whole deal, um, anyway, I wish her the best, she just needs a, she needs a little space, she needs to chill out, she knew I was... She knew I was gonna, she knew I kind of went on walkabout out here. Um, it was my intention to get healthy out here, even if it took all summer. I stated that explicitly, and then I am executing that explicitly. So, there you go. Anyway. So it's creeping towards the end of the summer, folks. And um, we're going through the dog days right now. The dog days. Uh, that balmy, balmy, balmy stretch, you know, that feels like kind of a wet blanket over you for a little bit. Why do they, why do they call it the dog days? I'm sure... I'm sure there's a reason. I'm not going to fill you in on it right now. Pretty soon that'll be... Well, we're only a few weeks from Labor Day, which is kind of like the, the bookend of summer. we got Memorial Day to open. we got Labor Day to close. And everything in between is what happens on the life of a car dog. What? You know... Yeah, pretty soon we'll be listening to... Uh, I don't know, it'll, it'll seem, this time of year it seems like uh, later in the evening you want to listen to like 
Frank Sinatra, you know, the summer wind came blowing in from across the sea. The organ in that song sounds like it's coming out of like Fenway Park on a late August or early September night. But uh, that's that's what it's getting to be like. We're getting to the uh, we're cresting the hill of summer but um, so I get a lot of people ask me where does where's car dogs come from what is a car dog what does that mean and um, there's a few answers there's <coughs> ooh, excuse me it was in me now it's on me oh um, well car dogs is a term that salesmen use car salesmen uh, in reference to each other like if you hang if this is your this is your pack these are your boys you guys have been you know the majority you've been in the business a handful of you've been in the business they've been in the business you and your buddy you guys are car dogs you guys usually it's something you, you can't shake out of your system you know when you get the car business in, in your in your bloodlines um it's something that you can't, you know, you, you, you try and shake, you get in this, this kind of weird, uh, trajectory of life in the car business. And even if you leave a dealership, you might go to another one or you might try another job. You know, there's plenty of people that leave the business, go start something else and then get pulled back in. They get sucked back in. Uh, like some, some awful, like, wave pool, you know, you get sucked back up and it comes roaring back. Uh, car dogs are like, well, anybody that knows, it's been corrupted by the business, it's been around the business for more than a year, two, or seven, or five, and, uh, that's the simple answer. Car dog is just somebody that's in the car business that kind of knows the business, but is not jaded, but kind of could be if you really delved into it. Um, somebody just can't shake the business. Somebody, you know, you know it's in their blood. But but now the clever answer. Well, a car dog. Um, I think usually when you examine anything with the title dog in it, you know, War Dog, he's a war dog. The movie War Dogs, that was a good movie. With uh, Jonah Hill and, um, oh, what's the other guy's name? Miles something. That was, uh, that was uh, the same director as Hangover and Old School and uh, The Joker. War dogs about the about the guy. It's based on a true story about uh, military contractors that um, got busted um, trying to sell trying to sell weapons to the wrong people at the wrong time. Um, <clears throat> then you got reservoir dogs. I was I was I was fascinated by that that 
title as well. And I'd read up, like, what does that mean? Like, your early connotation of a reservoir dog would be dogs in a reservoir. What happens? Well, what 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 brings to mind? What what goes on when dogs are in a reservoir? They're trying to, you know, get out of this reservoir. They're they're trapped in there, and they, and they they uh, do whatever they can to get out. To to step over each other to get out it just becomes it just becomes a becomes a whole thing you know <clears throat> kind of a, um, a survival game if you will um, there's those there's uh, well theories as to what that means um, I'd, the one I'd read a while back was well, the most popular theory was that uh when Quentin Tarantino uh, worked at this video store, he recommended um, Louis Malle's Au Revoir Les Enfants to a customer who misheard the title as Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> it's a stretch, but uh, to mistake a French film for Reservoir Dogs, but that's what I had originally read. Uh, uh, another version of this says that Tarantino's girlfriend was the one recommending the movie, and Tarantino miss hearing it as as he misheard it uh, others suggest the title is a hybrid of au revoir les enfants um uh, or yeah a hybrid of that and the uh, 71 movie the sam peckinpah movie straw dogs there's another one straw dogs which i'd seen long Ooh, that's a brutal one too that's sam peckinpah man he's he's a He's a genius psycho. He's those. He's that genius psychotic uh, director, the Wild Bunch, Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia, um, Straw Dogs with Dustin Hoffman. Uh, just very exploitative and violent, like a lot of his movies. But, um, but. The real answer is, is quite simple. The title for the film came to Quentin Tarantino while visiting a production company and noticing they had a pile of unsolicited unsolicited scripts under the, the label Reservoir Dogs. All those scripts were fighting with each other for attention as dogs, as dogs trapped in a reservoir tank. Which is exactly the connotation that I had when I first saw it. Reservoir Dogs, these dogs are fighting each other to get out. If you've seen the movie, the movie's brilliant and it took took me well the first time I saw it I didn't know what I'd I just like absolutely everything and nothing happened all at once and that was uh, I, I guess a fair to me a fair description everything kind of took place in this warehouse and some dude lost an ear but uh, it's about it's a heist movie that just everything takes place inside a warehouse which is brilliant the heist movie that you never see the heist Fucking brilliant. He made it for like 1.5 million. It made like 30 million. It got banned. It was banned in the UK initially. I mean, that's just free advertising. Anything that's banned is going to do well. Um, so, I'm, uh, anyway, I'm, uh, so I decided that, 
yeah, Car Dogs is kind of an, an amalgamation of all that, kind of, um, all things, all things cars, all things dogs, car dogs, um, this is a, this is a, I don't know, kind of an inside source to knowledge within and without the car business. It's about road trips. Oh, it's also, yes, it's very much about road trips. Um, shit. Uh, my buddy, <laughs> I, I, I think about, like, my buddy Randy um, telling me that about the time him and a friend of his, this guy Daryl, went, they had a Dodge Neon, and they decided they were going to go, oh, his, his buddy Daryl was going... They were going, where were they going? Back east somewhere, the, or maybe it was to Alabama. Randy's kind of like, I mean, he's, he's uh, I guarantee you he's a, um, not that this was ever, not this, that this was ever a topic of discussion, but, um, yeah, he, he's a, he's a God-fearing Alabama boy, um, and he was, I think he was taking his buddy Daryl out there. And he had a Dodge Neon. This was years and years and years ago. But they wanted to go through Route 66. And they ended up going through, like, part of Death Valley, I believe. And the car bottomed out on a sand bed because it ran out of, like, Route 66 is so patchy. There's parts of the road highway missing. And, uh. So they bottomed out and had to like dig their way out of a sand bed somewhere along the journey. <laughs> and that's that's kind of what constitutes a car dog. Somebody that <clears throat> somebody that you go through kind of experiences with, several experiences. And uh yeah, that would definitely be one. Um Yeah, cars have kind of a, they, they, they tend to link us up with memories, experiences, jobs, people, trips, you know, experiential, experiential situations, you know, your car, your car fell apart, your car got souped up, your car took me here, your car dropped me off here, your car broke down, car left me stranded. You know, car saved my life. That car almost killed me. We're all car dogs. Can't escape it. You cannot escape it. Um, it's the pivot point for a lot of your experiences, whether it's camping, skiing, out on the desert, out on the delta, out on, you know, wherever. What What's going to get you there? 98.8, eight, 98% of the time it's probably a car and uh, a lot of road trips in my life a lot of trips with my lady shit we we hit Vegas three times every time we would go to <laughs> there's always something there's always something going on when we take a, the first trip was the best the first trip was the 
well, anytime you introduced something like Vegas to somebody for the first time, it's always a great experience for usually both parties. And the second time we went down, we went after uh, my, excuse me, my, my buddy Billy's 50th birthday the night before down at Minnie's in Modesto. And uh, she'd had maybe a few too many cocktails, but when we left the next the next morning for uh, the next day for for Vegas, boy, she was hung over. That was a rough go. And then um, the third time on the way back from Vegas, see, I got into this habit of every time we'd go down to Vegas, we would drive, of course, we'd go down to the 99, cut across Bakersfield up to Tehachapi, 58 through Barstow. Um, And it was somewhere just outside of Barstow when the drugs began to take hold. Just kidding. That's the great first line of a great book. But um, when we'd leave after after we uh, would leave Las Vegas, we would go north on um, north on um, ninety five three pick up three ninety five, cut across <clears throat> Death Valley, and just see like all the different landscapes, the sand dunes, the hills, the mountains, the salt beds, the expansive desert, but, um, but yeah, the third time we got lost, it was at night, and you start creeping around these, these, these edge, these, the edge of these towns, these hills have eyes type towns, ooh, shit, good stuff though, but that's what car, that's, uh, that's chalk it up to car dog experiences, you know. This is what you like. I used to um, used to go camping a lot with my buddies, my buddy Randy. Um, you know, we would uh, get a lot of weed, and then we go up in the hills, and we go up there with like either like. Tim the Turk, Jim, or you know George Shimrado. I got I got sandwiched in between those two guys one night on an air mattress that slow, slowly just uh, deflated through the course of the the night. And I was in the middle of these two guys, and they're big dudes. Like Tim the Turk's probably about mm, my height. He's probably six two. He's probably about two ten, two twenty, solid. And uh, and then Shimrado, shorter but just as big. He's probably a couple hun, couple hundred. And uh, and I'm lodging between these two stone pillars as this air mattress starts to, to deflate, and then they they slowly just caved in on me. It was a cave in, and uh, oh and and then and then ultimately. I think Shirado got launched off the air mattress once it got, you know, it, it became one of those situations where it's like if you jump on one overinflated side of it, you can launch a guy off the other side, like, um, like those big 
those big uh, inflatable things on lakes, you know, and Shamrata ended up getting launched, but that's what, you know, overnight experiences do. You get, um, you know, you find yourself in some, some interesting situations. Um, but yeah, even out on the, you know, even out on the Delta, we, we'd be out two, three in the morning doing you know we'd be fishing i've seen tim the turk shit off a boat i've seen him shit in the delta uh but those are that's a those are road dog hard dog experiences that's what you do with your friends um you know one minute you're one minute you're closing a deal on a 2014 ultima and then several short hours later you're You've got a case of beer and a boat in the Delta and some dude shitting right off the edge of it. And uh, those are car dogs. That's what car dogs do. So. But a great example. Well, to my lady, <clears throat> among Vegas, you know, we'd go to Half Moon Bay a few times, a couple, two, three times a year. You know, you'd always be in a car just going towards something, going somewhere. Um, and typically the journey is as exciting if not more than the destination the destination is the postmodern end of it the postmodern end of it is you know you're going to end up at the delta the postmodern the postmodern ending is always obvious but what makes a postmodern like in books or movies, is the buildup and the journey that got you there. You knew you were going to end up camping. You knew you were going to end up, you know, somewhere. It was the journey, the journey that got you there, the journey that you talked about, you know. And it's even better, it's even better when you leave the drop of a hat. It's just like in instant spontaneity um, many times well shit one of the um, one of the Vegas the last was it the last Vegas trip the third one the third one I had planned yeah well in advance but I would I'd gotten even tired of waiting and we left a day early and ended up going by way of uh, Pismo Beach we stopped in at Pismo Beach which isn't even on the way and um, stayed the night there and then cut straight across. We, we literally just shot due east from, from Pismo through all these rolling hills. And it was new, unexplored territory. That's what, even, that's what made it even more cool and interesting. Uh, going through all these desert towns, these kind of strange backwater areas, you know, that kind of are a little scary and fascinating all at the same time. You know, a lot of times that to me is just as interesting and, and, and exciting as the, the eventual destination. But, um, so, yeah, car dogs are a mix of car salesmen, road trips, bottoming out on sand beds in the Death, in Death Valley, shitting in the Delta. Um, yeah, the great, well... 
my most probably my most recent example my best example would be um a year ago this time a year ago this time i was on a, it was on a sunday i was down it was august 2nd and i was down in yosemite with uh, my 20 year old she'll be 20 December actually and then we spent the day in Yosemite and uh, which is cool always always loved Yosemite always loved going to Yosemite um, even before I was ever even even before I considered myself an outdoorsy type I could always go to Yosemite and always just look at the just look at the granite the half you know the half dome El Cap waterfalls um, just stunning but so we spent the day there I dropped her off at Modesto and then I head north and I stop in Freeport and it's about a by, by then it's about 8.39 it's but it, on our August 2nd it's like an outdoor it's like an outdoor Italian piazza going on there's like the Freeport Barn Grill is live and kicking there's people outdoors there's people sitting outside it's an outdoor outdoorsy area you know all the bait shops and the delta the trailer park the people they're all out out and about it's very yes it's very it's very piazza style um i pull in uh, uh, my oldest is there and she's She's um, shaking down a couple of residents for um, a free tri- uh, <laughs> for free <laughs> for a free drink and a and a and and some chicken fried steak and she might she might she might deny this but it's a fact because because um, she was she had had a few cocktails and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that so I settle in and. My lady at this point had, uh, she had left for Sturgis of all things, you know, and I'm not a bike guy, and, uh, but she had, um, she'd got in with a group of, group, group of, you know, bike, bike people, and was headed for South Dakota on a motorcycle, what the fuck, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Get your motor running Head out on the highway So She had been She had been um, Gosh she was a few days ahead of us at this point And Cause I had no intention Of, of uh, Making that trip Like Not in any sense of the word So uh, so I just settled in, I had a bite to eat with, uh, my oldest and fell asleep in the, in the trailer, uh, clothes and all. Woke up the next morning, August 3rd, still wearing this white button up I had worn all through Yosemite and got this text, hey, can you come get me? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was like, uh, who's this? No, I'm just kidding. And no, what had happened was they had really bit off more they can more than they could chew in this situation. Um well, 
person she was riding with uh, was ill-equipped to deal with riding a bike as far as they, they had, and they, at this point, made it all the way to Buffalo, Wyoming, which is a very small town, uh, pretty much dead center of Wyoming. So... I first looked for any local airport. She needed to get back. And there there, there was a Sheridan airport, a, gosh, a couple hundred miles up the road or so, but I, don't, I couldn't foresee her really. Under the circumstances, she wasn't going to make it up there. So I said, fuck it. This is what you do. This is what, this is what car dogs do. That's what most people would have done for me. They have. So, so me and my daughter, my producer daughter, Sarah Plainview, the converted Amish, we loaded up and uh, wearing the same white button-up I was wearing to Yosemite, we hopped in a, um, a vehicle and we were off. We were gone for Wyoming. Why fucking Oming? just on the spur of the moment bam we were gone you know we uh, stopped at the dispensary we loaded up uh, the trunk and next thing I know we're listening to Bill Burr's podcast somewhere near the Nevada border (coughs) on our way to go retrieve it was like saving Private Ryan it was like um, (laughs) it was it was incredible like Still wearing the white button-up that I was wearing in Yosemite. So, we, uh, we hauled ass. We made it, uh, we made it to uh, Rock Springs, Wyoming. After waking up, having a few, few drinks the night before, still wearing the same white button-up. I think I had holes in it, too, from, like, cigarette burns. I mean, it, I look like... Uh, I look like uh, I look like Beetlejuice if uh, you know on vacation. Like if he had been um, sleeping down by where your feet are, you know, in a, in a it's like the floor of a taxi cab. But nevertheless, it was August. There it was hot. We're driving through the deserts of Nevada, just blasting music, just playing a little Fat Boy Slim. Right about now, funk soul brother, check it out now. But so, but that's what that's just what you do. Um, we made it out of California through Nevada, across Utah, the salt flats of Utah, the Bonneville salt flats. Um, let's see. By late, late, late afternoon, we had pulled into gone through Salt Lake, well, no, started get, no, started getting dark in Salt Lake City, uh, but we made it through the mountains, Salt Lake, popped into, got into, crossed the border of Wyoming, made it, and still, had a couple more hours before we finally found Rock Springs, Wyoming, the first, uh, first place, we had to stop the night, the, the night before we got to Buffalo, took it 16 I think it was about 16 hours 
Is that right? If we pulled in, it must have been uh, close to midnight. We left about, yeah, no, about 14 hours. About 14 hours of driving. And uh, next day, woke up. I had finally peeled off this white button-up that I was wearing. <laughs> Just, uh, I think I stuffed it in a bag or a trunk or something. I'd have to burn it later. I couldn't leave it behind. I couldn't leave it in like a garbage. Uh, it would have to quarantine for, I don't know. It had taken on a life of its own. So, so we fucking haul ass from there up to Buffalo. It still took us another few. Uh, God, by the time see if we when we checked out, it was ten something. Yeah, probably ten ten thirty in the morning. The 4th of August. My mom's birthday of all time. Yeah, shit. Text her happy birthday. And then took off for Buffalo, Wyoming, where my lady was happily waiting for us. And from there, I picked her up, had a few beers, and then shot due east. No, excuse me, west. I wish we should have gone east just to see the Devil's Tower. Um, that would have been cool. I would like to see the Devil's Tower. That's where they that's where they filmed the end of Close Encounters of the Third Kind, that big giant monolithic pile of dirt. That looks like a it looks kinda like an upside down uh, Reese's peanut butter cup. And uh, but that was closer to the the northeast border of Wyoming. We had to, we had to shoot back because I dro- I literally dropped everything like work, life, bathing, uh, and so we we hoisted her into the vehicle <clears throat> and shot west, straight west because I wanted I was gonna make something out of this out of this trip. So we went. I wanted to, I wanted to end up in Jackson and uh, I hadn't been there since 83 when I saw vacation with my folks when I was 12 on vacation it's kind of a weird twist huh watching vacation on vacation it's like that picture of you wearing a shirt with a picture of you wearing a shirt with a picture of you wearing a shirt but boy just cutting from (coughs) from Middle of Wyoming, through the windy mountain roads of towns like Ten Sleep and Bighorn and places like that, uh, man, it took for it took a while, but we made we we made it to Jackson, which is uh, some people call it Jackson Hole, and some people call it Jackson. The locals call it Jackson. So we got in at what a t- it's a beautiful town. It's too nice though. It's like too nice. Um a lot of a lot of cool people live out there. Jimmy Chin lives out there somewhere. Probably one of the most fascinating people that uh, that I can think of. Uh the guy that um co-directed Free Solo the documentary about Alex Honnold. Um what a badass. Uh man. Shout out to Jimmy Chin. This is a guy, man, who could, he could, if you, 
not only do you have to be like <clears throat> a really good filmmaker to win the Academy Award for Best Documentary, but you got to be a badass climber. So you you got to be climbing. You got to be hanging from three you know two thousand feet, getting getting that getting that great documentary shot all all at once. You yeah, like that's just that's mind blowing. That's just to think. I mean, talk about blocking out a movie and. and you know, really just going above and beyond in a, you know, in a, in a directing sense, man, that is insane, but, uh, as far as I know, he's the only guy that, ski, that skied off of, uh, no, snowboarded off the, I think it's the, I think he went down the north, the north side of, um, of Everest, but, uh, anybody that says they can snowboard off of Mount Everest is a badass in my book but anyway he lived out in Jackson I mean I want to go out there I wanted to see it again I hadn't been there since I was 12 <clears throat> we got in really late found a place and uh and instantly just fell asleep but but uh and then from there cut through Idaho next morning which was flatter than I imagined. We followed this. We kind of we we cut through the western border of Wyoming into Idaho, went through Pocatello into Twin Falls, following the Snake River. Which, uh, real beautiful country, but flatter than I than I did. Southern Idaho is quite flat, and. Uh, but anyway, yeah, you you kind of get spoiled with the Tetons, the the Grand Tetons, which is French for 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 tits. Um, just so you know, if you ever go to Wyoming and you want to see the Tetons, they're named after French French boobs. Um, La Grand Teton. Um, <clears throat> and then, but once out, once through Idaho, Twin Falls, we popped in through the north end of uh, Nevada, stayed the night in Elko. Which Elko to me is like a, it's like the it's like the bottom of a funnel. Like I, I will I will I will drive around and around and around Nevada until I finally get to the bottom of it, and yeah, I will inadvertently through some strange some strange uh, special dynamic end up always popping into Elko and stayed there which was which was cool we stayed at this we, f we got a hotel called it was at the Shutters which is very stylish um sat out on the on this outdoor deck kind of wrapping up the whole trip staring out over the hills of deserty hills of Elko middle of nowhere people it's fascinating just the communities that live out there in the middle of nowhere um, yeah it's just uh, there's a like in Wendover uh, we managed to miss Wendover on the way back but they've got this huge they've got this huge 
alcohol emporium like it's like a bevmo but it's like seem bigger but wendover shit there's like how many people are in wendover like a th- not even a thousand is there a thousand people in wendover but the next closest town is uh is elko unless you go across the salt flats then you got salt like like who who's making that trek like you to to get anything like that to really stock up, boy, you gotta make a, tr- you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be a road dog. But we made, we made it in. We got done. We made, we made the trip. We survived the trip. We retrieved my lady. And, uh, and we got in on a Thursday night, a four day round trip just impromptu drop the drop the hat just I'm headed for Wyoming I just got back okay got in late that evening Friday morning back at work and that's what you do that's what a car dog does that's what car dogs do just crazy bullshit drop of the hat okay I'm in let's go are you a car dog you know a lot you know that cars Cars define us. They kind of define us in a in a, in a way. You know, they, they say a lot about you. You know, if you're a truck with a camper shell, if you're a mid a compact or a midsize or a hatchback, if you're a Buick, if you're a Toyota Avalon, if you're an Avalon, you're older. You better be older. Young people should not be buying Toyota Avalons. You know, it's it's very it's it's that whole nominative determinism thing again. You know, you kind of are what you drive. Um, but uh, but the extension of that is is what what happens when you're driving. Yes, that that road dog, car dog experience. That's what a car dog is. And uh, or if you got a little dog and he's in your car, that's what <laughs> that's a car dog too. So, anyway, that's what's up. That's what's up, people. Happy Monday. And, uh, um, oh, damn, I almost forgot. So, <laughs> my whacked out movie of the, my whacked out pick. My whacked out movie pick of the week. Whacked out movie pick of the week. Whacked out movie pick of the week is, okay, speaking of cars. Speaking of which, the movie Crash, not the one with Sandra, I think, not the one with like, uh, not that one ensemble cast that takes place in LA with like, with like uh, all those people, I can't even think of who's, um, the one that Ludacris is in, not that one, not, not that Crash, although that was a good movie. This is a uh, this is a movie about symphor. How do you even say it? Symphorophilia, specific, specifically car crash sexual fetishism. Uh, its protagonist becomes sexually aroused by staging and participating in real car crashes. And this is a real movie. It was made in '96, based on a real book. Uh, stories, <clears throat> stories told through the eyes of narrator James 
Ballard. It's written by a guy named J.G. Ballard. It's spelled, it's spelled like Ballard. I think it's, but I think it's pronounced Ballard. And, uh, but the narrator, this guy, uh, uh, he, he kind of, I don't know why he uses the same last, the narrator uses the same last name as the author, but it centered on this, this guy, this other guy, uh, Dr. Robert Vaughn, a former TV scientist turned nightmare angel of the expressways. <laughs> so, so this guy Ballard meets uh, Vaughn after being involved in a car accident himself near London Airport. <clears throat> By the way, J.G. Ballard's English. Uh, gathering around Vaughn as a group of <clears throat> alienated people, all of them former crash victims who follow him, follow him in his pursuit to reenact the crashes of celebrities and experience what the narrator calls a new sexuality born from a perverse technology. And uh, so Vaughn's ultimate fantasy is to die in a head-on collision with movie star Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah. How about that, huh? This, this uh, book came out in 73. The reception was pretty divided originally. Um, this is all still about the book. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> One publisher's reader said this author is beyond psychiatric help. Do not publish. Uh, 73 review in uh, the New York Times was uh, equally horrified. Crashes, hands down, the most repulsive book I've yet to come across. Uh, however, <clears throat> retrospective opinion now considers Crash to be one of Ballard's best and most challenging works. Um, when they reassessed it, like, you know, newspapers like The Guardian wrote that uh, Crash is an existential book about how everybody uses everything. How everything uses everybody. And yet it is not a hopeless vision. Um, and on Ballard's legacy, um, the reviewer writes, in, in Ballard's work there is always this mix of futuristic dread and excitement, a sweet spot for dystopia and utopia converge. Um, for we cannot say we haven't got precisely what we dreamed of what we always wanted so badly so yeah he even uh, I don't know the author kind of claimed that uh, the book Crash was a cautionary tale but he, he later kind of regretted that he um, he later asserted it's, it's in fact a psychopathic hymn uh, he also kind of mischaracterized it as a science fiction novel, but it it really it's um, it's it kind of is, but it isn't. I mean, it's kind of like um, well, it's futuristic and Orwellian in nature, but um, you know, analysis of the books uh, in in other in other writing have declared it the first great novel of the universe of simulation ah simulation uh made note of how the fetish is the story the fetish and the fetish in the story conflate the functionality of the automobiles with that of the human body and how the characters injure injuries and the damage to the vehicles are used as equivalent signs uh to him the hyperfunctionality leads to the dysfunction of the story blah 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 goes on but there's uh, you know there's no moral judgment about the events um, you know there's no moral judgment about the events within the novel but that uh, Ballard himself 
uh, intended it as a warning against uh, a cultural trend. So how about that? Here we are, you know, you know, we are using it as well as it's using us. You know, it's very much that whole, uh, it's a simulation because we, uh, we're living in a simulation. You know, I'm wearing a pair of VR goggles right now. And uh, I'm actually sitting in a subway station naked, thinking I'm at a clothing optional retreat. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's the way social media, it's kind of like how, it's very prophetic in the way that, you know, as we use social media, it's using us. And that's a, that's that's fact, you know that. You know that. Like, we are the product in social media. Uh, if you haven't heard that before, which, if you haven't, I, uh, that sucks, but it's, it's that, uh, it's that weird, it's that weird kind of futuristic warning, like kind of a modern day Paul Revere, you know, the social media is coming, the social media is coming. But we are the product. We are the product. We are not using the product. The product is using us. <clears throat> Excuse me. That boy is a P.I.G. pig. Well, anyway, so... In 96, they made a movie out of it. Uh, by David Cronenberg. David Cronenberg, the guy that did... Uh, the guy that did... Uh, is it Videodrome? Videodrome? Video the hell was it called well he also did Naked Lunch he also did the uh, the movie adaptation of the William Burroughs novel Naked Lunch which is just wacky 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 stuff if you ever tried to read Naked Lunch it really oh it's hard it rewires your brain but but anyway David Cronenberg did the movie version of Crash about autoerotic it's just autoeroticism how we get off on cars, how car crashes get us excited, how, you know, we are stimulated by this simulation. So, so there you go. Start your week off on a happy note. Crash, the movie, David Cronenberg, who's Canadian. Fucking Canadians, man, they're everywhere, man. I'm really getting tired of these guys. I'm really getting tired of Canadians. But that's the uh, that's the episode for today, boys and girls, moms and dads. Hope you enjoyed. It is all things car related, relating to cars, cars, car dogs, dogs, dogs and cars, car dogs, dogs and cars, and the ultimate simulation that we live in, and how we fetishize it, and how we are the product. We are the product. So. Don't say you haven't been warned. All right. I'll talk at you later. Arrivederci, babies.